to another episode of the OSD5 Community Podcast. My name is Shahira. I'm founder of Finch and venture partner at Scalata Ventures. And joining me today is the wonderful Harrison Dell, crypto tax lawyer at Cadena Legal, co-founder of JubiDAO and TikTok tax sensation. Welcome, Harrison. Thank you. Good to be here. Harrison, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. I'm personally very excited when I saw your name pop up in the lineup. Um, tax is not a particularly sexy topic, but such an important area for us to understand as builders and buyers of digital assets, particularly after the wild ride that was last year. Um, I'd love to kick off with your journey into Web3 and maybe a glimpse into the life of a crypto tax lawyer. Yeah, sure. So the the first um, exposure I had to this space professionally was actually while I was at the Australian Taxation Office um, in 2017. I was assisting with tax counsel there, who are the tax lawyers for the ATO doing all the complex stuff. And we were writing the rulings on forking. And I believe it was the Ethereum Classic um, fork that happened at that time. That was the very first Thing I did and the, the specialty that we had in that team was capital gains tax and we'll talk about Bitcoin constantly because it's just it just didn't fit very well into into what we had it fit okay but mm. it just threw up these very strange um, sort of consequences and, and if you really got to, into the detail it kind of caused you more problems um, and since then I, I left the ATO obviously because I have my own law firm now but um, between now and then I was at a, a few different firms including leading a tax team um, at a mid-tier firm and, and I started my firm Cadena Legal in February this year um, and we've, we've grown massively even in the down market um, we've still got a lot of um, interesting things that are happening um, um, and you know a, a day for us it's never the same twice um, and that's what everybody says but but truly it's never the same twice because we get more than a few projects come through, whether they're NFTs or token projects or institutions wanting to, to do something in Web3. And there's no out-of-the-box solution. So in many areas of law, you, you'd pick up a company and you'd merge it with a trust and, and off you go, you've got a business structure, but it's just not that simple. And while the number of tax that you pay at the end of the year isn't what people are concerned about, tax is more than tax. And I disagree with your statement Shahira, about it not being sexy because I, that's what I thought before I was in this field. So I didn't study tax at uni. I just ended up at the ATO accidentally. Mm -hmm. So the reason we have such a massive tax law isn't because it's a really hard calculation or a really complicated formula. It's because the tax law is actually a means of economic control. It forces us to do some things and it stops us doing other things. And the best example is... Um, the main residence exemption, which isn't crypto, we're, we're, we're diverging here, but the tax law encourages you to own your own home with tax concessions. That's because it's the Australian dream and um, that's what so many people want to do, It's which is very property motivated. So the, the law actually wants you to do that. What it doesn't want you to do is drink a lot of beer and wine and smoke a lot and it charges you massive excise rates if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so it is a means of control. And it applies just the same in blockchain. However, there was no intention when they imposed that control because this law is all before a lot of this innovation. So the laws don't work very well. So we do a lot of um, very complex work, international tax planning work, um, just to keep founders safe from, from laws that aren't really designed for them yet um, and to make their obviously tax affairs as efficient as possible. 
Yeah, fantastic. That's such a great um, introduction and I'm keen to dive into that a little bit uh, later. We're, we're pretty tax savvy here in Australia. We're law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. So the idea of paying tax on our digital assets shouldn't, shouldn't be a surprise, um, nor should we expect any kind of unique uh, exclusions. However, things can get uh, complex and complicated pretty pretty quickly, and, and I've heard some, uh, some pretty disastrous stories that you, you've told in the past. Um, can you give us like a, a two-minute crypto tax 101? Um, what are the, the five things that every uh, holder of digital assets just needs to be aware of? Yeah, five things, yeah. I can probably do less than that, but let's, let's start. Right. So um, the first thing is crypto is not outside the tax law. Nothing is outside the tax law. There is this view in, in certain communities, and I think this comes from um, people's view of the United States tax system, where they say, oh, this, it's not a regulated or endorsed asset by the government, therefore it's not taxable. That's not how it works. It actually, pretty much anything of value will be subject to tax. doesn't matter if you're dealing in Counter-Strike Go skins, doesn't matter if you're dealing in Dutch tulips or crypto, it all falls into the same bucket. And that bucket is capital gains tax. That's gonna be the main tax that you interact with. And it's the same tax that applies to selling a house, selling shares, selling crypto, it's the same. And there's no actual CGT rate. There's no, like in other countries there is, there's a, there's a flat rate. In Australia, how it works is your capital gains, the difference between what you bought it for and what you sell it for, that goes into your income and you pay your marginal tax rate on it. And a lot of people, that takes them by surprise because you hear about this 50% discount. And how that 50% discount works is simply that amount between what you bought it for and what you sold it for, you just cut it in half and then you add it to your income. And this is like super basic stuff that people just were never told and never learned because um, for good reason, it's, it's, it's quite complicated and it's not the most enthralling topic, I understand. But like 96% of Australians, I think, use a tax agent or 94%, mm. a very large number. We've outsourced a lot of that knowledge. But if you're in this space and you're doing lots of trading, um, you need to have it in the back of your mind. And the, the rule of thumb that, that I tell people is you should be locking away a portion of your proceeds if you're a trader or an investor to cover that tax. And you should work out what that's broadly going to look like. And you need these basic tools to go, you know, here's how much profit I intend to make. Here's how much I should put aside. And there's how, some really- what, 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 what tools would you suggest in, in, in doing that? So in, in doing that, the best way is actually to use a, a crypto tax calculator. Mm -hmm. where and you can do it before the end of the year and you can be um, characterizing your transactions every week or every month to make sure that it's all up to date as well so you know what that profit like year to date profit looks like um, and you also know what sort of if you sold something what that's how that's going to affect your tax position that's very important um, because we've seen a lot of cases where the tax bill that people have actually out is, is larger than their current portfolio. Mm. Can, you, can you talk us through an example or a case that you've, that you've seen that? Because that sounds um, awful. Yes. Uh, and, and I suspect there are some people maybe that, that may find themselves in that situation uh, um, unawares. Yes, yes. I think there are certainly people who don't know it yet. Um, but the, the most frequent example that I see of this is um, with Luna and UST, 
and the, the DPEG situation that happened there. Because, um, you, you know, say you held quite a lot of Luna, you'd be holding that as a capital asset. And how CGT works is you don't trigger a capital gain or loss until you sell that asset. Mm. Uh, and that could be, say, I gifted it to you or somebody else or actually sold it on the market. If I bought, uh, if I had some profits, for instance, throughout the year, and I was holding on to Luna, Luna was a very popular coin um, back then, and holding Luna, and then it went pretty much to zero, and I didn't sell before 30 June, mm. you're going to have a tax bill. If you sold on 1 July, it does not affect that tax bill because we work on a financial year, there's a snapshot date, what have you done in the year, and it's done. And that's gotten a lot of people. And I, I was very vocal around 30 June saying you need to make sure that you are prepared because you can't go back in time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unlike other areas of, of, of business and tax, you know, you can't just uh, backdate a document that's on the blockchain mm -hmm. or it's on your trading history on Binance or FTX. So there's a lot of people who will be caught out and probably are caught out and, and may know it and are deciding not to do anything about it. Um, what are the implications of not of not doing anything? Um, implications of not doing anything can be very serious. So if the ATO believes that you've had crypto profits and you haven't declared them properly, um, they can do what's called a default assessment. And a default assessment um, means you have to pay the tax as estimated by the ATO, mm -hmm. um, plus 75% as a penalty, plus around 8 to 10% interest that accrues daily on that amount. But before that happens, they will be contacting you quite a lot. So mm -hmm. especially if you get a letter from the ATO, you get onto it very, very quickly because they give you a bit of time, but you're going to need that time to respond to them properly and address their concerns. And um, while they're a powerful organization, um, they're also motivated by the fact that they want people to be long-term compliant. Mm -hmm. They don't want it to just hit you with the hammer and squash you. They want you to just get on top of it and lodge your tax returns and pay what you got to pay. They don't want to be auditing you every year. That's mm -hmm. very inefficient for the government to do. So in the last sort of 10 years, that view has changed where it's about increasing compliance, not about like audit penalties. Mm -hmm. So you'll find them quite receptive if you just work with them. Mm -hmm. But before you decide to work with them, make sure you get some professional advice first to know what you're walking into. Great tips. Um, that's a nice segue into, into how the ATO tracks what we do. So currently the centralised exchanges um, act as a tax on-ramp, which makes perfect sense. But a lot of our activities, as we all know, is across the decentralised exchanges and decentralised wallets. So if we took um, just a very common example, and I'll use a personal example of transferring, you know, ETH from FTX wallet across to MetaMask to buy, you know, a pair of Nike crypto kicks, transfer to another wallet and maybe another wallet after that before selling it, how, how do you possibly track that? So most of that data is on chain. And... The only link the ATO needs to make is which wallet is yours. And once that's done, they can see everything that you've, you've um, done, um, aside from maybe a few mixes and um, ZK roll-up sort of uh, pro protocols. But the ATO gets data from two main sources. So the first source is from Austrac. And Austrac would supply data to the ATO or, and to all government departments about people converting cash into crypto. So... Um, those on-ramps would be things like MoonPay, mm. uh, Wire, and there's a whole bunch of integrated ones into a lot of exchanges as well, which do 
people probably haven't heard of, but they are services and they've got reporting obligations to the Austrac. Um, and the second one is the Australian-based exchanges actually have a reporting obligation to the ATO as well. So it's not, um, it's not by default, but the ATO, as far as I understand from talking with quite a few exchanges, the ATO has served them all with what's called a 353-10 notice. And that notice requires them to provide information um, under penalty of imprisonment and significant fines. Um, they do not require a warrant to do that. They do not require a court order. They are authorized by law to, co to collect that information if they serve this notice. Um, and imagine that you are, in, in your case, you've got ETH on FTX and you move it around. That transaction from ETH, oh, sorry, from FTX in ETH to your MetaMask wallet is very easily linked. By the time the ATO can process this data, and I have no doubt that they're working on this now or they've already solved it, um, they're going to be able to link and map everything that you're doing if you've ever touched a centralized exchange. Mm -hmm. So people think the blockchain is private and in years past it, it was, but only because nobody was looking. Now that they're looking and the data's all there, once there's one link, of you to a wallet, everything becomes very, very clear. And there are great tools out there to map what people are doing on blockchain. So we've got Chainalysis and, and, and other ones as well. Thank you for that. In, in your view, do you see um, what, what triggers an audit? What triggers the ATO um, you know, to investigate uh, a case or or on the centralized exchange side, what triggers their obligations to report to the ATO on certain wallets? Yeah, sure. So um, very high level, first of all, the ATO works on a, on a risk flagging approach where they will, they will see if, you know, if a taxpayer has a whole lot of red flags, very likely that they're going to audit them. Uh, and that includes, you know, what the value of it likely is and, and all sorts of things. So lots of little errors may not get audited. Um, but a very large error, such as um, I've, I've um, I heard this case from an accounting friend of mine, where they made five hundred thousand dollars in profits just on Binance, just trading, mm. didn't report anything in the tax return. So the ATO clearly had data of their broad account profits, um, and then the tax return said like fifty thousand dollars, and they, they got a please explain letter pretty mm. quickly after lodging their tax return because they've already got that data. So that centralized exchange misreporting is gonna be the first sort of an easiest, lowest hanging fruit for the ATO. They can just match that sure. quite easily. Um, but then the tools, I don't think they exist yet, but I think they're soon, is they're gonna be able to estimate your wallets and their value and see if that aligns with what you're declaring in your tax return. Now you don't declare your asset holdings, you only declare your profits and losses, capital gains yeah. and losses, and a few other things. But it's like the data's already there. Mm -hmm. It's just about whether the ATO can process it. Mm -hmm. so it's a matter of time. Mm -hmm. So let's, um, I'd like to kind of switch to the work that you're, and some of the consultations that you've been providing back to the Board of Taxation, some of which you've covered now, um, with this goal to kind of put, put in the structures and processes that, are, that allows us to, you have a sustainable view um, on kind of some of these tax, uh, you know, tax mechanics. What have those meetings looked like? Um, kind of who's in the room and what sort of, what have the discussions been like 
so far? And I guess maybe in in your opinion, is what excites you, uh, if anything, as to what's what's coming? Okay, so on, on the tax side. So the, the situation right now is the consultation is closed um, for the board of tax, and we've all provided our submissions. Um, I went to uh, three sessions with the board of tax. They were very familiar with me by the end of that. I'm sure. Um, and the, the the vibe was really that they didn't know the answer. They weren't going into this with a preconceived notion of what they wanted to happen. Um, and they really wanted us to tell them mm. what they should do because like there's ideas and there's some very senior advisors in these sessions. So, you know, I went along with PwC and EY and KPMG, Deloitte, Kingwood Mallisons were there um, and a few others. Um, some academics um, that I went with all the software providers for a different session. So, you know, crypto tax calculator, Shane Brunette was there and others, different sort of topics. Um, but the, they were very open, which is good. That's not always the case. On a lot of these reforms, the um, like the, the board of tax tackles, the advisors that are on the board of tax actually have seen this before. And they have some idea what they're getting into. But mm -hmm. as I understand, they've done very limited crypto work. So they were really absorbing it like a sponge, which is great. <coughs> um, and we provided our submission. And the submission that, that we did, and a lot of others sort of went with this as well, is towards the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. What can we get done for the least amount of effort? Um, because in a perfect world, we would rewrite the entire tax law with crypto in mind, but frankly, that's just not going to happen. Um, we can barely write the tax law right the first time, um, which is the reason why we have two pieces of tax law, um, just some trivia for people. And we, the, the view that we really pushed is that you need to understand what's going on long-term. You need to have principles for how you want people to be taxed before you can go and design the law. Um, and what we suggested was um, transaction mapping. And that should be done sort of alongside the token mapping exercise. And I tell people quite a bit that um, there's a lot of talk about financial services law and, and things like that in, in crypto. Is it a security? That's important. That regulates the big end of town. I'm, I, as a consumer, don't particularly care whether it's a security or not. Mm. The people who are innovating and building at that sort of mid top end of town, they're the ones that care and they have to go through that. And it's very important so that they can offer the right products to people. But for the lay people and that big end of town, the other side of the coin is tax regulation and how that's going to affect them. So we suggested a transaction mapping exercise because um, with financial services law, it's about what it is. And with tax law, it's about how you're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So how you're interacting with smart contracts when you're wrapping an asset, bridging an asset, all sorts of things. That's what we don't have clarity on. And there will be a lot more like what we see today in the market is not going to be what's in 10 years time in how blockchain operates. It's not just going to be bridges like look, bridges might even cease to exist. It may be a whole new kind of protocol um, because of those security vulnerabilities, but it needs to be forward looking and focused on what's the economic outcome here, because there is still confusion on things like if I wrap my Ethereum on ETH to move it to Binance Smart Chain, is that a taxable event? And look, the answer is that I don't know. We can build a position um but this is a really it should be an easy question to answer and mm. if it's not then the law should clarify it to make it an easy question to answer and what's the timeline on that clarity what what are what are the what's the board aiming for so the board um will 
will produce the report in December this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm personally hoping to see reform in the 12 months following that. I think that's about as quickly as, as we can hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have to understand that. <coughs> sorry. Uh, I think we have to understand that crypto is just not a priority for the government right now when they have just gained power. They've done their, done their first budget last week and they're going to do another budget in May next year. In May next year, that's when we may start to see these reforms adopted. But don't hold your breath. There are a whole lot of reforms that the Board of Tax have recommended, government has agreed to, never enacted, never appeared anywhere. Some of them appeared a decade later. Now, in this space, we can't afford that amount of time. So if it doesn't happen in the 12 months following the Board of Tax report, um, I don't think it'll happen for, a, for quite a long time, which is very disappointing. So your advice while we wait? While we wait, um, get a professional, work within the rules. Um, sometimes the rules change. And sometimes the rules change in your favor, Hmm. such as about a month ago, we had a change to how airdrops were taxed based on an ATO website update. Um, And that actually prompted people to go and amend their tax returns and get refunds. And there's nothing stopping you doing that in the future, but certainly don't miss out on lodging it on time. And if you're going to have difficulty, and most people will, I had difficulty with my own tax report and I'm the specialist in Mm -hmm. in this area, get a tax accountant who can help you with that because that data processing is, is a lot of work. And if you're doing it on a spreadsheet, you're probably going to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good advice. Thank you so much, Harrison. We're coming up to time. Um, and I have one final question for you. And, and also just to thank you for sharing such valuable uh, insights and advice with the community. This is obviously a, a growing a growing area. We're all learning as we go. And um, your voice is, is very important in um, educating and, and raising the awareness on, on key sort of topics as related to tax. Given that you're such a, an active member of the, the Web3 community, I'd love to hear from you what community means to you. Community means sharing what you've got. Um, so like there's so many things that I'm great at in, in, in law and tax. And I share that. If, if someone asks me at, at an event or wherever, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll tell them. I don't hold it behind, sign my cost disclosure and I'll charge you a fee. If it's an easy answer, I'll give you the solution. If it's not an easy answer, I'm going to tell you it's not an easy answer. Um, and being upfront with people about that sort of thing has actually really helped just me personally and I think everybody around me. And if you're not doing that, you're just not going to build those relationships with people around you because the whole community helps each other out. You know, I've had developers help me out with projects that I've wanted to build. Um, and then I help them out with all sorts of other things. And that's just part of sharing knowledge. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Harrison. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll hope to see you in the next episode. Bye for now.